Welcome to the On Point Podcast, a channel dedicated to helping you be the best hunter you can be. On Point is designed to help motivate and inspire you to get more out of yourself and your gear during your next hunt. If you're looking for information that will directly impact your success and help inspire you to go on new adventures, whether you're hunting with a bow or a rifle, On Point is the channel for you. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I get to sit down with Jason Phelps and talk to him about his background as an elk hunter and his background, which is a different area that he hasn't really got to cover as much as an entrepreneur in the outdoor industry. So if you're wanting to learn more about hunting elk and you're also interested in building a brand or or building your business in the outdoor industry, or you're wanting to grow or or maybe get some ideas, this is going to be a great podcast episode for you. It's an area that a lot of folks haven't got to hear from, from Jason Phelps hardly at all and this whole episode we it was both on our minds and so we covered it uh, it's not your typical phelps episode where he talks about elk calling strategies and stuff like that it's really a different aspect of it and, and more personable and getting getting to know him way more as well uh, i really enjoyed this episode personally so i hope you guys get a lot out of it and uh, this episode is brought to you by onyx maps who just launched their facebook page uh, onyx hunt elite and uh, really excited to become part of that community and learn and grow with a lot of the folks on there. There's a lot of professional guys that are on that page sharing tips and tricks and their success stories. And if you're wanting to learn more about how to use the app, uh, what other guys are doing, that's going to be a great community for you to learn. And I'll be right there alongside you, part of that community as well. So uh, that's all I have for the intro today, guys. Thanks for everybody that has listened to the podcast. Please leave a five-star review with a comment. Get yourself entered in these giveaways that I'm doing. I will be doing a giveaway at the end of this episode, and I look forward to hearing from you guys then. So enjoy. Sounds cool. good. So uh, let's go ahead and get this thing going, man. Okay. Uh, I'm totally pumped to have you here. Yeah. Actually, I'm here where you're staying, so thanks, yeah. for, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was, it's been a good day. So uh, I... I'm really excited to get to know you better. Um, I want to get into elk calling and stuff, and um, I do I do want to get into some other areas that maybe you haven't been able to dive into like yeah. you wanted. Um, but tell me about yourself. You're you're from Washington, and how how did Phelps become the Phelps killing machine that he is today with the elk? <laughs> I, I I have to give some credit to you know my grandpas, my great grandpas. Probably it's been passed down, and so I can remember growing up as a little tyke. Um, we got to go deer hunting. Um, that was acceptable. We got to jump in the truck, crank up the Alabama, you know, got to have fiddle in the band and I got to go hunting with grandma and grandpa, uh-huh. um, or jump in with my dad or my uncles or, you know, whoever had a seat available. I was allowed to hunt or go deer hunting. You know, I wasn't actually hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to go, go along, you know, as a, as a six year old, a five year old, and I absolutely loved it. But there was something about this, you know, rite of passage where elk hunting was like off limits. You didn't get to learn about it. And it was almost like this separate thing to me. I got to go do all this deer hunting, but like, what what was this elk hunting? Are they in the same spots? Hmm. Um, what do these guys go out and do where I don't even get to, to go? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think growing up, there was always a, this like allure of what is elk hunting? Um, you know, these, and I, all I could do is you draw these crazy ideas in your head, you know, as a fourth, fifth, sixth grader trying, what are they out there doing? <laughs> um, you know, but it was literally those guys my family is a bunch of, you know, diehard loggers. Um, really? You know, they grew up that way. And so they literally glass clear cuts for the first 15 minutes and they jump into timber and hunt timber all day. 
um, rifle elk hunting, and that's how they were were so successful. Um, and so, from a very young age, I was very intrigued what goes on, wanted to know um, what they did. And so, as soon as I got of age, um, rather than screw up their rifle season, um, they could extend their season by getting me a muzzleloader tag. Oh, okay. So, like, in, yeah. I can remember, I don't know if it was seventh or eighth grade, I got to start elk hunting with a muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that was kind of my entry into, into elk hunting. Right and uh, I can okay. remember being scared, scared to death. Um, all right, we're going to go do this, and, and we're going to drop you off here. You're going to walk down this drainage for <laughs> six miles, and we'll pick you up at the bridge. <laughs> and how and old like, were you? I was probably seventh, eighth grade. Really? I mean, junior high, but huh. um, they... That was just the way it was. I mean, they you dropped somebody you off. Had to find your way and, back. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The first couple of times, I'm like, well, I can shadow this road 30 yards away and hike the whole way down here. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized really quick, like, if you want to be a successful elk hunter, like, that's not going to work. Like, let's get down and, and follow tracks and okay. and learn. And, uh, you know, I learned really quick that if I did it right and hunted hard, I would kill my elk quicker. And so I just hmm. started, you know, like, let's get in there. Um, work a little bit harder if the tracks go downhill where I'm not supposed to necessarily go to get to the bridge. I'm still going to go and then I'll have to backtrack. And okay. and so I spent a lot of extra effort just uh, you know trying to do everything I could to to kill elk at early age. But I was just drawn to it. And then the archery and calling elk thing didn't really roll around um, until my junior year in high school. Um, we we started doing a lot more scouting. We we had found kind of a new area that was new to us and new to a lot of people. Nobody really hunted it. And it was just loaded with elk. And we were doing some scouting. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to call these things in. So I think I stopped by like the local Walmart or the local sporting goods store or mm-hmm. something and grabbed a Terminator and some, um, you know, some calls and, and some diaphragms and got pretty decent with it really quick. And mm-hmm. um, that next day, I think the day after I bought that call, we went out and very first heard we seen, I called in, you know, for our area, uh, a really nice five point. I mean, to 25 yards, he comes in just bugling up a storm, <laughs> you know, peeing all over himself, just doing doing what bulls do. And at that point, I'm like, I was hooked. The very first bull I had a chance yeah. to call in, I called him into the you know, somewhat point-blank range, and I was hooked. The next morning, I think that was a Friday night, I went out Saturday morning, called in one of the biggest Roosevelt's I've still ever seen in our area. Really? Um, to about 35, 40 yards. And so I've always been drawn um, – to it the uh hmm. the the learning at that time not very many people in my area bow hunted at all um you know like the his, the history of bow hunting it had never there was nobody in that area i had nobody to really learn from hmm. um and and which was nice but the same thing like the nobody pressured any of the elk during bow season so i remember that christmas my junior year and in high school i asked for a bow well we didn't know anything we didn't know about pro shops any of that so we ordered like the pse basic pse (laughs) out of like the cabela's catalog you know Uh (laughs) um just a big old chunk of iron at that time and you're Um, still in middle school at this point uh junior in high school junior high school. i decided to get a to get a bow and i was gonna try it um (laughs) and and so i just learned i i'm kind of a nerd you know an engineer by nature and so Mm -hmm. i analyze everything and I learned really quick that uh, I needed to figure out what the heck's going on on this elk rut. Um, hmm. You know, why do these bulls do this? How do we do this? If if another bull comes comes near this bull, why does he do this? Um, you know, what his patterns are, and and so I just kind of analyzed, um, you know, whether I was hunting during September, the time between September and our muzzleloader season. During the muzzleloader seasons, I'd already been hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our rut seems to tail off really quick. Uh, where I hunted and I just paid attention to everything, kept notes. 
um, you know, why and what and how come. And I wanted answers to all those, even though I've now come to learn, like, right. there's not always a set answer. But at that time, I thought I was going to find the answer and just really dove into it, like, you know, head, you know, head first. Um, huh. Emerged myself into it. And then, uh, you know, I've been, been still learning ever since. But uh, huh. a lot of my skill as far as killing elk, though, still came from my uncles and dads. Uh, ability to rifle hunt you know i learned to pick sign um you know the resiliency some of these things that just uh you know kind of transferred from elk or rifle elk hunting just mm-hmm. kind of worked right into to me being a successful archery really? hunter and we're talking rosies rosies um maybe the world's smallest rosies in my backyard <laughs> but at the time before the internet or before any of that i didn't know anything else like that was the elk i knew i didn't know that i could drive two hours east and be in you know big cascade <laughs> roosevelt's i didn't know right. anything but um you know those willapaw hills roosevelt's and that's where i kind of cut my teeth and did uh but i'm also very thankful because i got so much exposure in some of these walk-in spots that nobody hunted um i would lie if i didn't if if I and I may even be underestimating, I was screwed up on ten to twelve bowls a year in those first couple of years. I just had so many opportunities, mm-hmm. but it also accelerated my learning um, through that many opportunities. You know, I would literally I would joke about it, but I would screw up a bowl, ride my bike a mile down the road, and script <laughs> the next bowl. And and uh, it, we were in a very uh, target rich environment. To That's start pretty with. cool. Um, and there wasn't much competition. You said back no, then? nobody. It. I would never see a bow hunter the in, uh, you know the entire season. How about now? Now there's a lot. It <laughs> yeah. has there has been a 180 degree turn. Um, you know whether it's season timings or the the sport of archery as a whole has grown. Um, it's I would say it's uh, it's not quite as competitive as the, as the rifle and the muzzleloader out there, but it's getting very no. very close. Um, I think. And the other thing is, and I don't mean to 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 is this isn't a knock on rifle or muzzleloader hunters. Mm-hmm. There's some still very, very accomplished and good ones out there. But I think there's a natural progression as humans to find what's a little more difficult. Or And so what I think what happened is our better rifle hunters picked up a muzzleloader. <laughs> and then they decided that was, you know, not easy, but they were successful at that. And so those hunters have now moved to archery. And so I would say as a group of sk- skilled, uh, a skilled group of hunters, um, our archery group out there in my area is fairly loaded. Um, okay. As far as your skilled guys go, or you're more, you know, you're more competitive, or your accomplished hunters are in that group, which is kind of throws a wrench in everything because that group is doing whatever it takes all the time right. to, to notch tags. Where um, it seems like some of those other groups maybe aren't as much a go getters. Hmm. Um, some of the other groups. That's just my own. That's my own uh, kind of opinion. Looking on the outside in, huh. I don't even hunt around my own house anymore where I grew up hunting anymore. Really. Um, mostly over east now or well in eastern washington or washington you have to put in for east side versus west side oh you do and so i now i'm getting to the point where i've got enough points that i do, i want to go for a pretty special hunt at this time cool um so i i just don't hunt my home state if i don't draw I, you go out of state which i'm fortunate enough to do yeah yeah like uh we, i mean land of the free last year how many states did you hit up with those guys we were just in Montana on that hunt. We just on Montana on that uh, one. Yeah, in order to you know, when you're trying to put fifty days in a row, you have to look <laughs> at the states. Yeah. And Montana had the longest. We were supposed to be right in the middle of September. Mm-hmm. Um, they got their tags in Wyoming. We got pushed to that you know, first week in October, which still should have been good, minus the weather issues we had. Yeah, yeah, um, and and that that kind of grew legs with your mustache too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is now is, now's your chance to defend that. Yeah, no, my my <laughs> wife. So what happened is I, uh, for those of you that don't know me, I typically just wear a mustache and goatee combo, you know, just a shortcut. 
combo well we had went to idaho uh, two weeks before land of the free project and absolutely stunk it up we did call in a mm. a decent little six point bowl on mm-hmm. um, the very first day we were there my hunting partner charlie shot it and we started off really good but then we spent the next nine days eating humble pie um <laughs> every day uh, huge servings of it um and so it was just my that was my change up i'm like you know what i'm just gonna change the facial hair that's good that had to be it <laughs> but uh no I, i've caught a lot of heck over that uh well, I think, and so far off topic, but your meme game is strong. We, we, <laughs> like, are you the one come up with that? Well, stuff? I am. I am. I, uh, I get. So I have an office job, fortunately or unfortunately, right. and so I get bored, and so I just YouTube like funniest movie scenes. Okay. And I'll, I don't really even look at my phone. I just I've got my wireless headphones on, and I'll just be working, and I'm like, whoa, that could have been used in like a hunting setting. Mm-hmm. So I rewind, like, all right, is there a bad word? Yeah, you know, I, I try not to because we do have a lot of, uh, you know, young kids that yeah. follow us. And so I try to pay attention to that. You know, you get the, a lot of the Will Ferrell stepbrother stuff yes, always yes, has a lot do. of, a lot of, uh, you know, but I'm like, wow, I could have used that and he doesn't cuss. And so I'll go trim that piece out and then, and yeah. it. but it, it's just kind of my sense of humor. I don't always let it show all the time. I'm a little conservative, yeah. but uh, that's, that's really how my brain works. <laughs> in those memes. So yeah, we've had a lot of fun with that. I, I've been like, man, would it be bad if I tried to get in the meme game too? Cause <laughs> it's so fun, like seeing those things yeah. and, and there's always true. And, and then you're like tag a buddy and then it just goes crazy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and anybody that knows my personality or sees my interaction with my, my hunting buddies or my close friends, um, we are, we're very, very, uh, uh, aggressive in our, in our, we, we pitch a lot of crap to each other, yeah. um, but it's all in good fun. Like it, it strengthens our friendship. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I, I, uh, I almost promote that on people doing it to their other friends. Like, you know, tag a buddy that, that, <laughs> that needs these calls without any latex in it, you know, tag these buddies and, and it's just kind of my, that's kind of how my sense of humor works yeah. is, um, well, I think it's know, good marketing too. Yeah, it is. It's and, pretty funny. And, uh, it's, we've, we've had a lot of fun with that. I, yeah. it's kind of funny. I did, uh, you know, probably what, 10 or 12 of them here recently mm-hmm. in the last couple of months. And, um, I've started getting some, uh, <laughs> some submissions from some other users. So, you know, it's like, here, <laughs> use this one or this one. So we have used a couple lately that have been sent to us that, really? that were pretty good. <laughs> so you've got the strong meme game and then for land of the free 2.0, you're going to have a stash 2.0. No, I think I'm going to, uh, <laughs> it took a lot of heat over that. So Did I think you? we're, we're, we're going to just go back to normal and, uh, oh, okay. forget, uh, forget 2017 until the all cunning turns the crap and then yep. things on. Yeah. <laughs> now we're, I'm extremely excited for, for 2.0. Um, me too. We're, uh, we're going to be on the leg of the hunt where I think all of the born and raised outdoors guys, um, will be on that hunt. Um, Plus, plus the cameraman and stuff, and then myself, Nick Schmidt, and Dirk Durham mm-hmm. will be kind of the guests on that hunt. So there'll be a lot of guys in the wood there, woods there in Colorado, but it, it should be a blast. I mean, a good group of guys and a lot of fun. Yeah. Speaking of Nick, and uh, you didn't say John. Is he not going to join you guys, John no, Gabriel? So the the land of the free is is tough, you know, because they do have so many people that basically they wanted to do the Phelps game calls portion. Yeah. So I'll yeah. go and then Nick worked so well with them last year. We just kind of invited that same group back. So okay. me and me and Nick will go back and then um, us partnering with Dirk born and raised actually kind of had the foresight um, to, to hook that up. They're like, why don't you and Dirk hunt together as, you know, as your guys' calls are taken off together um, and, and kind of pull it all together in the project. So Dirk will join me and Nick and I've, believe steve will have the tag again in colorado so we'll have four tags on that hunt okay so walk me through um angry mountain then because i've been seeing that and it just um i was like i didn't even know that existed until recently 
So we we did that on purpose. Um, one of my key things is uh, I don't really I don't really care what people do, but I wanted to make sure not to create this thing that exists, you know, one of these boy bands, so to speak, <laughs> that didn't have any content. Okay. So even though AMP has lived for two, even three years, um, we've never really had any content, so we didn't really want to promote anything up until that point. Um, but to rewind a little bit, we did Primetime Outdoors way back, and I think us and Born and Ray started the same year. In 2007, we started doing, like, over-the-shoulder filming. We didn't have necessarily the skill that Born and Ray's, you know, or some of the, mm-hmm. the know-how Cody did, but we knew how to run Premiere Pro, and we had a, <laughs> right. we had a couple mini-DV cameras that, that recorded in fairly high quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did Primetime Outdoors for two or three years with some of my really close hunting buddies. And then they decided, you know, everybody gets married, life goes on, and they're right. like, Let's, we just want to hunt. Um, we're not, you know, as dedicated to this. I'm like, that's fine. That's fair. Well, me and my buddy Tyson were the only ones from primetime that wanted to keep going. Well, in the meantime, I started hunting with Charlie Smith. Um, the call business was starting to take off. So I started to develop a relationship with John Gabriel a little bit. Okay. Um, and then Tyson still wanted to be involved. And then in the meantime, I had met Nick, um, just from social media, kind of started getting more popular. And so us as a group of six and then Charlie's wife, Kelly, mm-hmm. um, we started planning hunts together. We realized we all kind of worked together for the most part. Um, and, and so we kind of, me and Tyson, and we get kind of restructured and, and became AMP. Um, we AMP for Angry Mountain Productions. Right. Um, and so we've just kind of been sitting in the weeds for a while, waiting to do something. We we have four or five hunts we've, we've filmed. We've just never decided to edit or produce, like my New Mexico bull, my Idaho bull, um, Kelly's uh, Kelly's bull hunt from 2014 and the, and the blues. Mm-hmm. We have some pretty good hunts. We just never edited them. And being part of the Born and Raised Land of the Free Project, and and really it didn't click for us until we saw the response. And I want to be careful that it, it wasn't necessarily the, the success I was really drawn to. It was how positive of an impact right. the, the project had. Um, because I'll tell anybody, like Angry Mountain Productions is not going to be like, a huge revenue stream probably ever for me mm-hmm. um you know i've i've said time and time again i make my calls off of you know the hunting world the hunting industry whatever you want to label it i make my money off calls mm-hmm. um but there was a even as just a guest on a, on the week that was maybe the worst week on <laughs> the land of the free project yeah and to be at a sportsman show and have people say hey man you're an inspiration like your hunt sucked but you were positive every day and you guys got after it and you guys were still joking around and it was a huge thing or we sat and watched this hunt with our family with my kids Mm -hmm. i'm like man that's pretty that's something pretty special especially with all the negative that the industry seems to have or the ability for somebody to, to instantly trash somebody. Right. Um, I'm like, man, if, if you can spread that, um, your born race has a huge reach, but if you can somehow either uh, reinforce that through mm-hmm. your own project or, uh, you know, maybe reach some people that they haven't, which would probably have to be under a rock, mm-hmm. you know, by now it seems like, but uh, if we can reach that or, or uh, reinforce that, I really wanted to pursue that. Hmm. Um, the other thing it does for me as, as a company as Phelps game calls um, content is king in this industry. Like, you know, if you're not creating content, you're, you're kind of falling behind or you're, um, so it just, it creates Phelps game calls, another content generator. Um, that's smart. And I've said it multiple times, um, personality, like people want to connect with the person. So even though Phelps game calls lives, I've been pretty personable. We just talked before the podcast, Yeah. how many podcasts I've been on, um, and, and, and been a part of, and these seminars that we put on today, um, the seminar schedule I have for the entire rest of the summer. Mm-hmm. I want to get out and shake hands and let people know who I am and let people know, like, 
you know, that I'm just like you guys. Right. Um, you know, I still buy my tags over the counter. We still do everything the same um, and get, just give people my time. Um, people want to know that you're a good guy and they want your time. Um, so this is like a, a content generator, let people see my personality a little bit more in the light of, you know, me being able to joke and being out in the woods. Yeah. Um, and then I think we have the group we have, we have a chance to do something pretty special. Um, That's pretty cool. So I want to take you back for a second. And so I'll, I'll admit, I thought AMP was for Amplify. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I learned something right there. But how, how, did the, how did the Phelps game calls even become a thing? How long has that even been around? So we've been doing it since uh, my son was born in 2008, and so I started early 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it kind of spurred out of uh, spurred out of some frustrations and and some of the stuff I was using at that time. Even though there were some great calls out of there, I just I thought I could build the better mousetrap or do things a little more consistent. Okay, and it's been it's been a grind. I mean, you know, some people ask. You know, you've been around, I can't believe how fast you grew. You know, you've been here for two years and you're already here. Like, no, mm-hmm. I've been here for nine years <laughs> grinding and you, you, you see the, you know, the, the fruit of my labor mm-hmm. the last two or three years. Hmm. Um, and so if I had, you know, you didn't really ask for this, but if I had some advice to give, yeah, go um, ahead. we get, we get all kinds of questions and, um, you know, I think a lot of people refer to me as, as this, you know, a little mini success story or, um, all these guys come and they want this Insta fame or Insta money or right. everything to be quick. And it truly was a grind. And I think if, if I didn't fall in love with the journey and the portion of building this thing, like I was so like wrapped up in let's build the foundation. You know, you think of somebody building the house, let's build this foundation strong enough that when we put the next layer up, we, it won't get knocked down. Mm-hmm. And when we build that next layer, it won't get knocked down, which in my opinion, it, it takes some slow growth. You know, and I've learned when, when times have grown fast, I have to make some rash decisions and something that may not be as calculated at times um, from a from a financial standpoint. Um, and now we've just really, I'm not afraid to say no anymore either. Like let's just grow mm-hmm. this thing organically, grow it at a, at a pace that's, that's comfortable um, where you know, I've seen so many companies just come, not make it, and go. They're either chasing the wrong things, right? Um, so I fell in love with the the journey, and um, really, I don't know if it's a cliche thing to say or the wrong thing to say, or something that ninety nine percent of people won't be able to grasp. Is that now that I look towards the future, and you know, we have business plans, we have goals, and everything that I want to accomplish. And you write that goal down or you change, I update my business plan, you know, yearly and, and where I want to go next and what, what are new. And it, there's almost a, a little bit of sadness. And like this year, my elk call line is getting pretty close to finished, you know, or, mm. or buttoned up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a pretty complete line of elk calls. Right. And to not have something on that list that was elk call related, because that's really my passion and, and, and we're developing the entire line. But to not have something like a big project, uh, you know, there's a few little pieces that, are, you know, in the, in 2018 year, we want to do this. Hmm. And to not put a big uh, elk call project or a piece or a, a development and design portion, I'm like, man, there's a little bit of sadness that comes through there <laughs> because I was so into the journey that, like, I, I want to keep pursuing that. And, um, you know, some of our focus is switched. We want to fill in the predator call line, the deer call line, oh, really? the waterfowl line. So we've got calls um, in the works for all of that um, in the works. So we're, we'll fill in all of, all of that portion. But 
Um, you know, Phillips Game Calls, we grinded along for a long time. Um, we knew the whole time we were building the, the old school flat diaphragms. Right. We were always kind of fighting the uphill battle. Um, we would have to change somebody that was more comfortable using something different and get them back into that call, um, kind of reteach them. And we all know that's an extremely hard thing to do is reteach somebody that, that's comfortable with what they're doing. Right. Um, we did a fairly good job um, making a name for ourselves with the flats. We were able to convert a lot of people. But then, um, you know, as we progressed, the amp frame came along, um, which does stand for Amplify. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it stands for Amplify, but it also stands for aluminum metal plate. Really? So we put that on top. Um, so it has a, a couple acronyms come in okay. um, with the amp there. Um, and now you're switching into Angry Mountain Production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Angry Mountain Production, which is also AMP, um, is so we've got AMP and a lot of things here. At okay. Calls, but, uh, so we came out with that those that series of diaphragms, and at the same time we released our new uh, Unleashed Bugle Tube. Um, yeah. That was really, uh, you know, we were doing very well up until that point, but that was kind of a, a somewhat of a turning point for the company. Um, you know, we we grew by four hundred percent all in one oh, year, um, you know, which is a big which is a big change for us. Um, yeah, you know, a, a small company that had a couple employees, a couple people helping out. Um, to now, you know, we've got you know four or five dedicated diaphragm builders. We've got a couple really? guys dedicated to putting di- uh, beagle tubes together, um, and we're we're still struggling to keep up. So when I when I hear guys expand, and it, usually at a rapid pace, and this could be any company, it don't matter. Uh, you always hear like mass production equals lower quality. Yep. Um, have you guys had any problems with that? Have you guys no. had to overcome that? Uh, we we uh, there's always going to be production issues with growth. There's there's no right. way you either have to push harder on the people that are already building them. Mm-hmm. So you look at that option. Like how many more can I get out of this group of builders that I trust, mm-hmm. or do I train somebody new? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we we just we ride that balance. Um, so all most of our products, um, aside from the diaphragms, they're pretty easy. Um, you know, we can build beagle tubes pr- fairly quickly. We can yep. build the externals fairly quickly. Um, it's just kind of an assembly portion. The one thing about diaphragms is they have to be hand built and they have to be built to to a somewhat precise spec. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I want to guarantee that when you buy ten calls, that nine point nine of them are dialed in. Mm-hmm. Um, so. All right, you look at option A. Can can these three builders or these four builders build faster? Okay. How does that affect quality? So you, you kind of look at the pros and cons. Like, mm-hmm. all right, can I get any more out of them? Um, yes or no? I would say the people I had building for me are, are extremely driven for the most part, and like so that's off the. So I end up having to train somebody, mm. um, and, and we've we've just added builders over time. One thing we've did with some of our better builders is. Uh, they build just the frame and latex and then we have somebody else tape the -hmm. calls so she can be as efficient as she can um at building just the frame which is the the consistency part and then somebody else tapes them okay okay Um, that makes sense the other thing uh with the amp diaphragm uh, we we went through 17 revisions before we were finalized on the amp diaphragm and somewhere in revision 16 through 17 those last two we realized, and I, and I won't say exactly what the change was, but we made a, a slight change, and I didn't think it was going to matter. Um, but what we found out is it made our jobs as builders very, very easy. Hmm. Um, it was actually kind of the, the, the light switch got turned on. And really what I set out back in 2009 to accomplish mm-hmm. on making these calls as consistent as possible happened 
with the amp frame mm-hmm. as a builder i could now what i like to do is when i design a call a specific call whether it's a double triple single read yeah is i will write down on a piece of paper all right the, here's the optimum spec but in my opinion i can go this far this way and this far this way on either side and still get a, a consistent call and so when i sit back and look at that i'm like all right within this range we'll have a good call the tighter that range gets like this is a really special call. Like, should I build this call personally or do I trust a builder to build this one? With the amp, we were absolutely blown away that we could miss a stretch by, um, you know, 20 thousandths either way and the call would still Hmm. play very, very similar to the optimum um, spec. And so as a builder, it gave me extreme confidence that, um, like I said, the 9.9 out of 10 or 99 Hmm. out of 100 calls are going to work every time and, and the user will tell no difference we've accomplished that a little bit through our design on on the diaphragm that's pretty cool and i will say um and, and not just to make this a phelps promotion episode or anything but i will say like as soon as they came out i bought one i'm, I'm a gear junkie you know that mm-hmm. um i bought you know a few and and then um usually it takes me you know 10 15 minutes to, to figure out the call and how hard i can blow or can't blow and then but the, the first time i put in um i think it was the gray one or it was one of the gray or black ones. Yep. And then just um, immediately it was like, wow, this is super easy. Like I, I gave one to my buddy. I'm like, you have no excuse not to learn how to call, pal. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, no. You're calling for me this year. That is, <laughs> and, and, and I've been more excited about, um, you know, the guys that are good callers already, no matter what brand they use, like, yeah. all right, you'll, you'll be fine with them, you know? Yeah. But I get more satisfaction out of the guys that message me or I talk to at these, you know, things like today where we're in a big group of people i don't mm-hmm. maybe know everybody like hey i i struggled a lot you know with with this brand or i've never been able to use any diaphragm good i picked up your black and it was just mm-hmm. so easy right all of a sudden you know i could call and i'm like we're doing something a little bit different when you get reports like that that mm-hmm. um you know and and that i'm still go back to that like you hear guys here complain about consistency on you know maybe and i'm not one to necessarily talk bad about any brands but you know brand x or x y or z yeah. you know they would get a couple they liked and then a couple that they couldn't even make a sound you know bought at the same shop on the same day yep. and i pride myself that every call you get out of ours sh- should be close mm-hmm. um i i looked the other day um you know, we're well under a, a half a percent warranty on you know for the life of our calls mm-hmm. um our, our returns are minimum i mean and that brings me to another area like your customer service because i talked to you one time i sent you a picture i was like is this is this the way it should be and you're like no what's your address i was like why he's like i'm gonna send you a new one I'm yep. like, oh dude cool yeah. like and i didn't even ask because like yeah. i just asked a question like no i'm gonna send you a new one don't no, worry about it and that's just <laughs> even even my wife um, and my mom struggle with it. They, they're our main, my main customer service. They're my two, you mm-hmm. know, full-time employees um, out in the shop all the time. And uh, we had a guy <laughs> the other day, and I hope he doesn't listen or hope I'm not making fun of him. It was just, I kind of took some, some humor out of it is he sent us this email. He bought our calls from Elk 101 and uh, ordered them, and, but he couldn't remember which one went bad. Like he had a list of four or five <laughs> diaphragms and I'm like, well, which one do you want us to replace? He's like, I can't remember which one's bad. I'm like, we'll just pick one then and we'll send it back. And, and that's, I want uh, to make sure that everybody's happy with us. Um, and I think uh, companies that, that run their warranties or their customer service based on being scared of what somebody might say about them mm-hmm. are doing it wrong. Hmm. 
I will if if somebody tells me they bought a call at Lucky Shot, they're a sixty year old man and it will never be on the internet. So really, I have no risk. Like this guy cannot trash me. I can tell him to go fly a kite and go buy another <laughs> call if he wants one. Right. But my mentality is, I don't want his his interaction with our company or his uh, outlook on our company um, to to be degraded. And so I will replace anybody's call for the fact that that that's more important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody else is worried about you know, bad reviews or this or that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm truly worried about like the trust in the name and in, in the brand. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. everybody told me you made a bad mistake, putting your name in the company, uh, on the company. Um, if you ever want to sell it. And I'm like, I think I made a great idea by putting my name on the company. Cause now I have a whole crap ton of pride in everything that this company ever produces. Right. Um, so you can take it for what you want. You can call me a bad businessman or whatever. But um, <laughs> at this point, like right now, I've got extreme pride in everything we do. My name's on everything. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of gave a little speech, what, probably 20 minutes ago about chasing <laughs> fame being the wrong way. When, yeah, I yeah, was, yeah. when I was a 25-year-old starting this company, there was a little bit in the back of my mind that I wanted not only to develop Phelps game calls, but it, as primetime outdoors was taken off, I wanted to develop Jason Phelps as a personality. A personality. Okay. And so that a little bit of that rode into it too. Like if I can develop Phelps game calls and Jason Phelps side by side, I can mm-hmm. feed back and forth. Hmm. Um, so that a little bit of that went into it. But well, with with my situation, it's a little bit different because I'm kind of being that I guess that personality. Like I don't have a product. Yeah. My, my product is this education. Yeah. You know. So I mean, um, you know, the bro the bro guy said, "Yeah, go ahead, do that, dude." I'm like. Yeah, it's just I think it's it's just getting out of that comfort zone is yep. really what it is and being well able to put yourself out there. Yep. And um I don't ever want to come off as not genuine and and I think I do a pretty good job of that and seeing you and the way that you conduct yourself online. Like there's another I'm not going to I know you guys are going to know who I'm talking about, but there's another company that does not conduct themselves online and they're an alt call company worth a darn like they will trash talk their own customers it's like what are you freaking doing yeah and um i i don't know man like i i just had to ask you there because because uh you you know i'm in the same boat as you now like i i have my name on my own logo and stuff and i i just you seem like a really humble guy too no and so there's there's so many you know little I try not to get hung up on those little things, you know, but but it may yeah. not be little at this point, you know. I names, think it is. Um, you know, yeah. it, it was one of those things where I'll make the decision, move on. Um, you know, some people can call me, you know, narcissistic because my name goes on my shirts. That's but what I was worried about a, for me. A little bit. I mean, yeah, my excuses or my my responses, I logotized whatever that word would be. My yeah. name, my name. So Phelps logo was actually recognized now versus yeah. versus my name versus um and so I, I guess i just went with it and didn't put a whole lot of thought into it and i thinking now how my how my brain works and thinking about that and perception from the industry mm-hmm. like, well maybe i shouldn't with my name but it, it, it took off and i think that that ship's already sailed so i'm i'm, I'm gonna kind of be stuck with it yeah but another thing we did with you know you work with john gabriel um he actually questioned yeah. my idea a little bit on amp and i'm like gabriel i'm i'm confident enough in this design before anybody ever had it in their hand I can co-brand and AMP will become associated with Phelps. Mm. So kind of, you know, we put AMP on the tape, we put AMP on the packaging yes. by Phelps. And so it's just kind of an offshoot. And it kind of, in my opinion, I thought I'd be able to grow like some brand awareness. Like, all right, 
it not only do they say amp but then they say phelps so our name gets mentioned twice in the in the conversation yeah. and just just little strategies like that i don't know if they worked or not I th- um, but i think amp you know when somebody talks about an amp diaphragm they yeah. know exactly who makes it yeah i no, i think you succeeded there and i'm, I'm looking at your hat right there with like the the airwaves coming out yep. of it and stuff i'm like and that if i even see that on a call like i have to read it like if i see that or if i even see the amps i know right immediately it's like almost yep. having two brands in one yep and so and, and so just from like listening to you talk here do you have any business experience because you're really it seems like you're really on top of it and savvy to me um I don't. I think. I think my my skill just comes with being able to put myself in the consumer's shoes. Really. Um. You know, like I I, I have this weird like I don't know if anybody can do it, and, and <laughs> this might be the corniest segment you ever record, <laughs> but it's almost like out of body. Like I can just flip myself around. All right. Now, how does this look if I was on the other side of this conversation, uh-huh. or um, what does that look like to me? Um, like I just said, it was, is that narcissistic if I flip myself on the other side of Instagram yeah. and this guy posts his picture uh, of this or of you know talks about this? How does that look and how does that relate? Mm-hmm. Um, what the what will the masses say? Um, I'm already thinking of my counters to somebody that <laughs> says something. Um, so I've got this oh all planned gosh. out, you know, and yeah, and um. To be honest, the business side, I've really grown with. I've, um, I would say, I'm pretty good with Google. Um, <laughs> you know, on on business stuff that isn't necessarily taught to a guy that grows up in a logging town of 600. And yeah, um, you know, my, my mom worked in a bank and my dad logged. Um, you know, uh. we not a lot of business experience, so I just kind of I've learned on the fly. Um, I would say my skill is more in you know understanding people and the marketing side. Um, and then on the backside, I may look like a decent businessman or sound like one, <laughs> but I've had to learn a lot at a really fast pace. Um, well, it's just like listening to you here. It's like amp turned into three different things. It was amplify angry mount productions. And then it was, um, what was the third one? Um, uh, aluminum metal plate, aluminum metal plate. I'm like, Holy crap, this guy thinks ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just, I'm one you know, for those that don't know, I'm an engineer by trade, and I have a very, very hard time turning my brain off. You know, uh. I always joke with my wife, like, I think until the point, like, I fall asleep. Oh, like, really? there's, I'll be sitting in bed, and like, wow, why didn't I think of that? You know, before, mm-hmm. it just comes to me, and, um, you know, on, I could be walking somewhere, and, like, you know, some people might just walk from point A to B. I'm like, well, I got time to think between here and here, hmm. um, you know, and, and so I just, let my mind wander in the gym, you know, where most people are thinking yeah. about breathing or do like, I'll be on the stepper mill, like barely can't catch my breath, heart, heart beating <laughs> you know, out of my head and, you know, come up with some of my greatest ideas or, uh. um, like strategies like, Oh, that'd be a cool Instagram post or a cool giveaway. Huh. Um, you know, and so that's just, I would say that marketing and just always thinking and never settling. Um, hopefully I never settle, um, and get complacent. That's another thing. It's like always trying to be cutting edge. I, I look mm. for resources outside of the hunting industry. Um, you know, what's what's cool and trending in this market or that market and, and pull some in, you know, some ideas um, from that. And and so I I think right now um, that, that love with the journey and not wanting to ever go backwards. You know, you, you always hear talk about companies, uh, you know, on fire or you're rolling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And I'm like, I don't ever want the iron to get cool, you know. I don't ever right. want to go backwards, and and I'm so motivated right now, or um, that I'm I'm dead set on on progressing that. So being at this point where you you grew four hundred percent one year from starting your company, let's just take somebody even like me or somebody that's wanting to start their own product. 
how would you start that journey and, and give advice for somebody that's looking to do that? And you already have touched on a little bit. It's intent. It's, it's, it's being long-term focused. It's not a sprint. How would you start somebody on that path? Have a, have a good idea, have a good plan laid out. You know, what, what's your product or service that you're going to offer? How do you want to do it? And, uh, Give it time. You know, we've already touched on this again, but um, there there is built-in amount of time for these things to succeed. It's, there have been some instant overnight successes, but I I would say be cautious, be patient, and then and then invest in that long run. You know, that long term. Don't don't. It's not going to be instant. You know, don't spend all your money right off the bat. Kind of fill the market <laughs> out, um, and, and have a plan on who you're gonna. You know, who who are gonna be. Uh, who are going to be your influencers? Who are you going to join with? Who are you going to partner with? Because it's very hard, I believe, in this industry to do it on your own. I you agree. need to have some influencers. Yeah. Maybe get a hold of them early. Make sure they believe in your product. That was one thing I never did was bring on influencers that didn't like the product or, or have full trust in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was never asking them to do something they weren't comfortable with. Don't, you know, go promote this call and tell them it's awesome, but yet you turn around and, and throw a different call company's call in your right. mouth because you're more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're sure- saying influencers, those are pro staffers or are those paid influencers? So influencers, they come in all fashions. And, and um, early on when the company was, was small, I had to take them where I could get them as far as free. Okay. Um, you know, I might scan social media or the elk groups yeah. and, and find out who's active, who's positive. I made it a very, very important po- uh, part of the company or a point in the company not to, you know, if people post negative, like you're just, it's not going to work. Like I can go find somebody that's, that's very similar, you know, to your status or, you know, how much you post or how much influence you have, mm-hmm. but, but keep a positive light and, and want to help everybody. So we went and scanned the, you know, we would get, get free influencers. And then I was even maybe some personalities that I should have been paying, but I created some relationships that were, that were on, you know, good foundations. Um, I was able to help them a little bit with, with my platforms, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Mm -hmm. Got some, got some good exposure out of that. And then as things grow, I kind of, I didn't necessarily promise but it was with the understanding that if you guys help me get big, eventually I'll start to repay um, in in real money at that point. You right. know, um, start to start to feed you guys back, you know, for your help. And so we were able to to, to kind of work that system very well in our favor and get some, I say, quote unquote, free free advertising from some higher powered uh, influencers. Uh-huh. Um, but they can be paid or unpaid. You know, I hate the word pro staff. I, I like to call them partners, you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or influencers for us. We do have, you know, some field staff, but we, you don't get on our page and go to your field staff. They're guys that I like, guys that I trust, guys I want feedback from. Mm-hmm. We set up a code. I'm like, you guys can call yourselves whatever you want. You know, you don't have an official title. They're just, mm. they're my, they're my 40 to 50% off guys. They get their <laughs> own code and just you uh-huh. know, use the calls and, and help me out on, a, you know, on posts or on forums or wherever you live. And I feel like a lot of guys, that's really what they want. Just the, I'm not talking about companies, but like it's private individuals out there. You know, I, I've had to grow myself and I, there was to a point where I, you know, I call, I was a pro staff, just grabber, like, Oh, I want to be pro staff for that company and that company and build this laundry list and i and i brought it up in a few episodes now it's like don't be me 
don't yeah, yeah. back then. You know, don't do that. We I went through the same exact things, and my perception, my worth was higher than the company's thought, and it created a lot of frustration. The other funny thing is, and and then sometimes I wonder is, is you get these little forty percent off codes with these groups or these companies to do it, and I'm like dang, but by the time you buy more gear than you ever need, I lost money, you know, in that 40% deal. And it's like, or I wanted to buy a piece from them and a piece from them, but you're locked into a company. Yeah, Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I chased that same, you know, I went down that same pipeline, you know. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one. And chased pro staffs. (laughs) And then as crazy as it seems, you get to a point where you're like, man, was that all worth it? You know, And And it wasn't. um, I don't know if it was. Now, People can call me hypocrite because now with the growth, I've got some even better deals, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, partnerships and stuff with companies. But but I feel I've I've worked my butt off for those, and yeah. and they weren't easy because I was at that forty percent or the you know here buy buy ten and get one free. De- you know these <laughs> these crazy pro staff deals that I, I like yeah. I said cost me a bunch more money. Um, but uh, <laughs> there is that you know how do you start? You want to be associated with these companies, um, you get kind of caught in that trap. But I think. It's just kind of the natural way in. Right. And you know? it's funny that you, you brought that because when you said way in, that totally brought up a huge light in my head is because I reached a point about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And, you know, I'm like trying to get in the street. I, I emailed you at one time and I wasn't near big enough for you to do anything. I mean, I, it's not a personal thing. It just yep. wasn't beneficial for you to do anything with me. Yep. And And I was like, well, I, maybe I just need to check my intent. And that really goes back to what you're saying is what's your intent? Like, what's your journey? What are you trying to do here? And then, so I kind of just made that shift. And since I made that shift from actually approaching companies now, and I'm not even that big guys, but now I'm getting companies like, Hey, will you shoot our broadhead for this? I'm like, no, I can't. I'm a gear guy. I do gear reviews. Do you mind if I shoot this, this, this broadhead? Yeah, we do. Well, you know, that's not going to work, yeah, guys. Yeah. But m- I guess my point is really just transferring that that intent to being somebody that's just going to go out there and, and do the right things and just really try and build themselves first. Because I've always heard if you want to grow on the outside, you really have to grow on the inside first. Yeah. And um, I don't that's that's just something I've been really been really been thinking about lately is 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 that whole area in pro staffing and influencing and and there's even a few companies that i'm not really um you know that i that i i'm partnered with but i'm not really happy with the relationship because it's just a one-way street and when i partner with somebody i want you know it's a two-way street yep i just feel like there's a lot of companies out there that are offering pro staffs and there's a lot of guys that have malicious tents that just want to have another pro staff company on their facebook page yep you know yep. and and I just really, I would really discourage that for the guys that are private individuals, but for companies that are still small and still wanting to get those influencers out there, at what point are you giving away too much? And at what point are you, should you start thinking about that? It, it really, I mean, you know, there's, there's some business models on what your percentage, you know, if we're talking about paying um, or like or, discounts and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, at discounts. I mean, so it's really easy, uh, you know, the typical multipliers, um, you know, for game calls or for most items in the industry are, you know, 20% in the cost of the product, 40% profit for me, 40% profit for, you know, a bow shop. Um, If I sell it directly on the website, I have 20% cost, 80% goes into my pocket. Yeah. Um, So I know I can sell calls at 40% off and make the same as I do when I sell it to a bow shop. 
Um, so mm. I'm not really out anything. Now that's that's kind of a trade secret. Everybody always wonders why people get 40% off stuff. Well, it's because that's the cost that most people, or you know, approximate cost that, that the shops or the stores buy it from. I see. I so see. a company still makes money, mm-hmm. decent money at that level, um, which is mm. frustrating also to some. Um, you know, people that sell the, the gear, like, well, anybody can go to them and get on a field staff and they'll give it to them because it's 40% off. Right. And then they don't get to make the full profit on their end because it's basically right. a trade of, of 40%. Um, you know, we're getting into the point where, um, you know, we're, we're maybe starting to pay some of our influencers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, y- we get approached, uh, you know, 50, 60 times a week from, Holy from, for sponsorships and, if you're listening to this, do not take this as me shooting you down. It's more <laughs> of the develop you yourself personally. Yeah, I've got a pretty good uh, gut gut feel. I, I'm good at gut checking everybody that sends me these messages. Yeah, you know the majority. I'm going to give you the, the the typical response. Me and my buddy <laughs> want to film our hunts. We just went and bought a camera, and we're going to do this. Huh. And then you quickly go search your profile, and they've got a picture of a bluegill. And, uh, you know, maybe a duck, they, they, you know, jump shot off of a pond <laughs> Okay. and, and it's, you know, we're laughing and, and I do not, I, I'm extremely um, careful that anybody that hunts is on our side. Yes. And, and so I never want to put them down, but at the same time, I don't got the energy or effort to maybe sit and tell these guys what to do every time. Okay. Um, so I get, I'll use your podcast as, as the platform for that. Okay. Um, make sure you, you've got a good plan and don't. Don't necessarily put the cart before the horse. Like, if you want to use my calls mm-hmm. and you want sponsorship from me, mm-hmm. um, do me a favor. Go buy the calls you want to use. Mm-hmm. Use them. Um, support me on on social media. Send me some videos that I could potentially use. And that right there is going to have uh, you know, twenty two hundred times the impact uh, as your Instagram message that I know you sent the same one to the other ten call companies out there. Hmm. At the same exact time, just trying right. to get somebody. Right. Um, you know, use the calls, and uh, that's a lot of times I'm like, well, you know, when you get those, like, what calls do you use uh, already? Well, we don't, we we're, you know, but we want to use just yours. I'm like, <laughs> let's. I want yeah. somebody that likes them already to start with. That that's that's the first checkbox we're gonna get to, <laughs> and then you know now we want to start making sure you have the ability to put content that I want to use together. You know, checkbox number two, and so I've got some things and. You know, I would say we get five or six approaches that I'm like, all right, these are pretty legit. I, you know, I either know of them or I can quickly check they, they, they've got some skill and, uh, you know, want to use those. Um, mm. I all, I mean, even there's a lot of research. I mean, anybody that I want to touch or use, you know, or be associated with, you know, research is going to have to be involved. You know, how do they talk to people? How do they respond to people? Mm. Um, you know, you might have more followers than we do, but I can go look at your posts and you've got, you know, 10th of the likes you should have and no interaction. You know, there's something fishy, like you either used a a program or you bought likes, um, you know, or followers. And so it's just tough. It's created my job be a little more difficult Mm -hmm. or, you know, or, or, or made my job a little more difficult, but we've stuck with a lot of the same guys we've had. Like there's not a whole lot of growth. You know, we added born and raised, uh, two or three years ago. Um, we talked a little bit before we just, uh, I think we can officially, we've executed the contract. We just signed Renella, um, for a year. And so, um, you know, as we grow, we're, we're trying to add, you know, the, the people I've wanted to add or people I've looked to uh, up to in the industry, you know, kind of filling in, you know, Mm. 
bringing those guys, you know, guys like Snyder, guys we've guys we've used, guys that have been with me from the very beginning. Um, you know, we definitely want to take care of those guys too because yeah. they um, you know, definitely definitely helped get us to where we're at. Well, here's a question: How many of those guys actually come to you with a business plan? And and I, I, I when I send somebody something that I want to work with now professionally, like on a professional level, not just an email, but um, I send them what I call a business exposure report. And that is my report of what my influence is on every platform, what you're going to get, what I've proven I've gotten over the last year, what my trends are, literally down to, to the percentage. Like everything is as pro- as professional as I can get it. I can tell you how many, you know, like right now I'm telling folks, um, like from, from here to the end of the year, I'll get an extra probably 200,000 views on YouTube next year. And like, and, and, and so I know what I'm, what I'm doing. How yep. many guys come at you like that? So there's, I'd say there's different levels. You have the, the bluegill holder, you know, is <laughs> yeah. is like the bottom level, which sometimes I won't respond to. I I try to respond to everybody at least yeah. in a professional manner. Mm-hmm. Um, say hey, you know, we're we're booked up for this year. I don't think we'd be a good fit quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tell them to get some calls and use them. And then you kind of get in this next mid level, which the way I tell if they're serious or not right off the bat is I'll say what's your, you know, uh, you know, quote unquote media kit. And a lot of times I'll shake those guys right there because they don't. They don't understand what a media kit, and I'll even explain it. You know, give I me honestly don't know what a media kit is. So a media kit basically says just what you just said. Basically, your your business exposure. Oh, okay. Um, here's our influence. Here's the channels we're on. Right. Here's how many views we get. Here's this and that. You know. So basically, and it kind of gives me a description of your project. Are are you going to be doing a film project? Is it you know is it a podcast project? Um, kind of gives me a rundown of what the project is, mm-hmm. and then I can look at that. But I lose. I lose probably 90% more because they will never provide me a media kit. Hmm. And so I'd say that medium group that now starts to give me a media kit, you know, that 10% that's left, then we can start to talk to that group and kind of see what their ask is hmm. or, um, you know, if money needs to be exchanged. We got that group. There are some personal people that do a really good job for me without ever being asked. Hmm. I just start to see, all right, this person tagged me again and they're getting pretty good reviews or people ask questions and they they respond to do them very, you know, they sounded educated. They were in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just, I'll reach out to those people and say, Hey, do you, would you, you know, kind of that field staff, like you can call it whatever you want, but I'm willing for the, the great work you're doing, you know, be able to give you calls 40% off. Um, That's cool. And, and so people like that. So I either approach them or, you know, I would say when we start to get up to the level where people start getting paid, we, we start to weed them out through media kits and make sure we're on board with them. That's a that's a good area to get in. So for and, and you've been on both sides of the fence here, right? Yep. I, so, so at what point would somebody and, and I'm asking for myself because I'm going through this, guys, and I'm sure a lot of folks listening to this would like to hear. At what point would you say, okay, discounts aren't enough? I'm doing too much. Now I need to start seeing money. It really boils down to the the person's assessment of their self-worth, I guess, mm-hmm. or their project self-worth, or, or not project, the project's worth. You when, you, when you say project, that's just something that they're working on currently? Or? I, I say project or slash what their videos or like what their intent for the year is. So I kind of think okay. that is their project, whether you're going to just release, you know, three or four films that you got, whether it's a, a land of the free project. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a, is your project to get into the full draw film tour um, that's a goal of mine here soon you know so yeah. there's there's certain goals that everybody carries um mm-hmm. is it going to be social media based platform is it going to be you know carbon tv uh, pursuit channel we kind of get the whole gamut really um so i kind of look at all right, what's your project what's your exposure and then and try to evaluate that yeah when i talk to the born and raised guys about this in a, in a private conversation they're like 
Trent was like, uh, you have how many? I was like, this many. He's like, and you're not making anything? I'm like, no. He's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, I don't know. Like, and, and, and you know, and, and for me, asking somebody else for money is really, it's really uncomfortable. It is. It, it gets un- really uncomfortable. Talking about AMP, we, uh, we were set up to do something pretty cool this year. You know, finally, finally make a go at it. And, uh, it, it's not only uncomfortable, but for me, it became very uncomfortable because you start to leverage some of your good relationships in the industry. Mm-hmm. So you you talk to them, you know, and, and try to get them on board. You've used their product. They've got trust in you. Um, but they're, it kind of comes back to that Jason Phelps versus Phelps Game Calls versus AMP. Yeah. Um, even though it was a Phelps Game Calls contact, I'm kind of rolling it into AMP. Hmm. But now what really worries me is, and I've told the guys and gal many times, like, there's a lot riding on my shoulders right now. I've leveraged these guys. There's money involved. Um, they're paying for cameramen and, and post-editing. Mm. They've got some some legitimate skin in the game. Mm-hmm. But what that relates to is a lot of pressure for us to produce. Now, not necessarily produce like killing animals, but we need to make this series and develop our personalities and, and show them what you know these adventures are we go on. And that's with um, the Angry Mountain. Yeah, Angry Mountain. Yeah. So we've got a project coming this year, and it's like... It's going to be fun, um, but it does add some little, little bit of stress to it that we need to <laughs> we need to come through and deliver what we told these companies we would. Really, so that's that's another another question that brings much. So if you're making these deals and it's all on developing this content that you haven't developed yet, my, one thing that holds me up is, um, you know, let's say I want to partner with this company hunting um, bears, and I want, theoretically speaking, okay, and I want to use bait companies product and I want to get sponsored by them. That's going to put a lot of pressure on me to kill a bear. Yeah. What happens if I don't, how does that even work? Like if I agree to take $300 a month or whatever it is, and I didn't deliver on what I said, are they going to get some of that money back? So the deliverables will never be to kill. I think if any company required that, uh, they they don't know what hunting, especially on public land is, you know? (laughs) Right. So I, I I don't think you'd ever see that. Um, They may want it or they may want trail cam pictures, I can um, see that. So, like, that's we try to think of the whole picture, and that's that's kind of like my whole let's pull back and, and what would this company want. So, say if you were using bear bait and you had these giants hitting it at night, yeah, or at times, but you just weren't able to kill it, um, you still are able to promote that company's product through some other avenues through your social media, and that's one thing that we were able to do very very well. Is uh, myself, Nick Schmidt, John Gabriel, um, Charlie, all have pretty decent personal platforms mm-hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. Um, a good following. A lot of people know who we are. Um, so even if an angry mountain is finally angry mountain productions face or Instagram starting to grow, um, Facebook's been a little bit slower. It seems like yeah. Facebook seems like you better have built it back in 2010 <laughs> or it's a struggle now, but, um, right. so we, we've got that platform growing. Um, but what we've told everybody is if nothing else, you'll get Phelps game calls is 48 and a half thousand, you know, my 48.5 thousand and, you know, Nick 17,000, um, we'll still get it out there to a, a pretty good number of people um, on top of it. And and we're going to show your product in a positive light. We're going to do um, – and, and and ours aren't like a tiered, you know, you, you know, set up. We – every company wants something different for their marketing or content. And so we, we were able to provide specific type plans for everybody. I'm glad you said that because I, I approached one company – and I'm not going to say who because it doesn't matter. But I approached one company um, on the podcast and, and – and I'm just flaying myself open on this podcast for everybody to hear. Yeah. I don't. I don't care. Um, 
doesn't matter to me. But what I'm saying to folks, and you can give me some critique if, in, in your opinion, is that for, for the companies I want to work with, I'm really pushing the, the podcast more than the YouTube right now, but I'm leveraging my YouTube to sell my podcast. So basically I'm saying if you can give me something that I can show, like a video, or if you have something that you want me to put in before or in one of my videos on YouTube, I will do that if you partner with the podcast. So yeah. you're going to get that for free. Yeah, yeah. Is that smart? Yeah, I think definitely um, leverage your other platform to grow what you want. If it sounds like the podcast is maybe a little more important right now. Right now it's my priority. Yeah, so you're using your YouTube to, to leverage that. That's That would be a great idea. Really? And, and you kind of sell it that way. That's yeah. exactly what I would do. So one more thing that I've been doing is I've been, um, I've been asking – I've been telling companies, you know, like I will give you the house, the car, the chicken this year. I'm not saying that verbatim. That sounds yeah. really corny. But next year, I'm going to start charging for these things that I'm doing. I'm just, for me personally, I want to be a little bit more bigger. I want to have a little bit more influence. And I want to know that what I'm doing is actually benefiting the companies that I'm working with. And so I did a v review of a product this year. And um, they the company got a hold of me. Like I never talked to this company before. And like, dude thanks for that video. I'm like, oh, you actually watched the video. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And then, um, so I did a follow-up video that they sent me a product and, uh, I did a follow-up video. It was before it was even out. Um, and they noticed a bump in their, in the, in the two products that I reviewed, reviewed. And, um, and so that made me feel really good. I'm like, well, maybe if I do partner with somebody, you know, maybe I do have something to offer. Um, but I'm just curious if, if giving away everything for this year, is that is that a smart idea for long term? It is. I think it's that that foot in the door type. You know, yeah. we'll we'll let you in. You know, maybe see this bump, see the see the growth, and then as this yeah. grows, and, and I think companies do that all the time. You um, do. It's okay. You know, kind of the same thing we did with the influencers. Like, hey, you know, uh, we'll give you guys all the calls you want. I can't really afford to pay you yet. It's kind of reverse on what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't afford to pay you yet, but if this thing grows. Um, you're gonna have to take my word for it, but I, I'm not a guy that's gonna leave you high and dry. Like I'll eventually try to, you know, pay you back. Yeah. Um, so it, it is. I mean, all these creative ideas are stuff that you know that you're coming up with, or you know, I'll give you the the YouTube space for free if you. Mm -hmm. um, all of that is the same stuff that goes through my head. Like, how can I leverage mm -hmm. this without spending a bunch of money? Yeah, and that's um, that's my thing. And. Yeah. It's <laughs> Uh, you're going to make fun of me here after I tell you this. But so I had the booth at the hoodoo shoe, right? Uh -huh. And then uh, I had my shirts laid out on the, uh, on the booth and I had three shirts that I came out with. And then I had, you know, <laughs> periodically throughout the shoot, I had guys come up and I'm like, dude, I like that shirt. Can I buy it? I'm like, <laughs> what I said to him is like, you ever seen the 40 year old virgin? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, where are you going with this? I'm like, you know that girl that has the eBay store where if you like something you see in the store, you can't buy it in the store? And I'm like, that's me right now. I don't have any product. You have to go yeah. online to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then so um, it's just, you know, that's just where I'm at, I guess. Yeah. But um, No, it's it's tough. I mean, all this growth and, you know, a lot of us carry other jobs and you're trying to grow this without breaking your yeah. breaking yourself. It's I think it's it's tough. And, uh, we talked a little bit before about like no one, you know, we, I don't know if it was you or who I was talking to, you know, but to grow this thing with no investors, it was, you know, we all know that buying in quantity is reduce your cost. But at the point right. when I started, like 
well, I can only buy a hundred pieces of latex of this kind <laughs> and a hundred of that kind to build my calls. And then, you know, now we're to the point where we order 40,000 pieces of latex without batting an eye in one order. Really? Um, you know, and so it's, it's one of those things, you know, selling shirts or you're having some, mm-hmm. someplace print them and, and drop ship them mm-hmm. versus keeping inventory. Right. That's um, what I'm doing. You know, it's like, it's all that, that growth. That's what makes that growth so tough or getting to the next level is that, um, you know, where I, you know, I, I kind of went to the, the, you have to buy 144 shirt minimum and then you just cross your fingers and pray that you bought them in the right size <laughs> yeah. categories. Um, but you know, it's like, dang, you can either do it your way and maybe pay, you know, two times as much for a shirt or you buy 144, but it, it is that growth. And, and I went through the same thing, like, you know, mm. trying to grow, I can't order as much, but that means I pay more of a premium. But as you grow and you can order more than it gets cheaper. And so it's almost like that double-edged sword yeah it is and uh but you you can't jump up to the big quantity until you know you're you're rolling in more so yeah it's something i think all companies probably fight right. unless there's a you know somebody brings in a big investment somewhere along the way and but you did it all on your own i did i didn't we didn't borrow a dime that's pretty cool um from the from the time um wasn't too proud of it but you know needed a new pair of hunting boots you're trying to strategize on <laughs> on saving money or if you're gonna put it on the credit card yeah um versus you know the, we went from there to where we're at now and uh um it, it's been it's been a fun ride and like i say it's financially it's uh, we have been we have been very blessed but um it, it that's not what it's about for me like you know at times i don't even know you know what what anything costs or, or what we're making on on a given right. month i'm um, you know, that's for my accountant to deal with. I'm, I'm just more like, <laughs> I'm head down, like making sure we can keep up with, with product and, and. So for, for most companies, from what I understand is in the first five years they go under because of finances, lack of know-how, or it was just, they didn't, they, they, it was way more expensive than what they thought. How would you, after getting out of that area, how would you suggest a company do that where they don't grow too fast? where they don't overstretch or where if they're wanting to learn how to maybe get into the industry, where would be some places to go? Okay. Uh, okay so I'm going to, I'm going to pull one out. I don't know if you listen to Gary V. Yes. Vaynerchuk. So I'm going to pull something from him is you got eight or 10 hours at your normal job. And then you've got six to eight hours watching TV or dinking off. Yeah. Use that six or eight hours and, and invest all of it in yourself. Like grow it small, you know, just grind, grind mm-hmm. that six or eight hours away um, keep your normal job so you have a, a steady income. You know mm-hmm. you can pay your bills. I'm not necessarily as extreme as Gary V because I feel like, hey, <laughs> I, I don't want to necessarily go under and I'm so dang conservative. I'm not going to lose my money. Right. But what he does say I can take away from is you got 16 hours in the day. You can be working, use it all. Um, you know, especially especially at younger ages, I think we're maybe a, a little more freedom right. um, to do some of that. But uh, yeah, you, know, you just, have a family, a wife, kids, yeah. all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, work six to eight hours. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can sit there and spend four hours in front of the TV, mm-hmm. or now we all have these phones in front of us. I mean, you, that to me, that's a, a work platform. At some point, I can be doing networking. I can be de- developing product. I, you know, I can be building calls. I can be developing something or working my butt off towards that goal. Right. Um, so you can do it without breaking yourself because no matter what, your bills don't grow. You're still making the same money because you're still working, mm-hmm. but yet you can start to develop that that dream or that idea or that concept on the side. Um, and if it fails, who cares? You know, you got you're invested whatever little bit of money you put into it, mm-hmm. um, but you're still able to pay your bills because you're still going to work every day. Um, so that was that was the really um, you know where where I was fortunate is that we didn't need any money out of the company. So if we did have a couple of years of reinvesting all of it and breaking even, it didn't matter. 
hmm. um, to us. That's really interesting. So to to get the podcast going and everything, I mean, it was probably twelve hundred bucks worth of gear, and I don't expect to make a dime for the first probably two years. Yep. I mean, that's fine by me. Long term, I'm I'm I don't even care, and it's really cheap to do content. It's way quicker than YouTube because yep. I don't have to edit videos. I'm editing audio, which editing all those videos makes you really good at editing audio. Yep. Somewhere I was wanting to go with that is, um, yeah, it was it was your 16-hour days. So I, I feel like a lot of folks are going to think like when they become their own boss, they're going to make their own hours. But a lot of businesses actually run the person, it seems like. Yep. And this this business really ends up being a 600-pound gorilla that they have a tough time dancing with. How have you managed to to just keep that together without actually having to invest too much time away from you know family and stuff? It, it hasn't been easy, and I don't know if I've did the best job at it. I mean, you saw me at Hoodoo, and and that was like yeah. my kids' weekend because I yeah. I had been gone the five weekends before that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy, and and one of the jokes we always say is I'm the only idiot that works 120 hours a week to prevent <laughs> to to prevent working 40 hours a week. Oh, really? You know, because you're trying to get away from a 40 <laughs> a hour a week one. job, but I end up working yeah. 120. It's like, well, this is That's kind no of joke. backwards from what I <laughs> my original intentions were. Right. But uh, it truly is a labor of love. Like if you can't handle, like if it's work for you still, it's going to be very very difficult to invest that time after 40. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your normal 40. It it truly is something I enjoy. Um, you know, my wife works for the company full time. My kids kind of like playing around with the calls, <laughs> um, so we kind of keep them involved. But uh, yeah. it's it's something I'm passionate about. It's not always easy, you know, trying to balance time or like, you know, we have the conversation like, really, you got to go do another seminar, or mm-hmm. really, you got to go to the bow shop and do this. It's easy because I absolutely love it, but it, I'm not gonna lie, it's not necessarily easy on them. Right. Um, I think we can see the, the long-term success and, and some of the positives out of it, but it's it's a grind, and it's it's not necessarily easy on the family either. Right. Um, but I I think my kids enjoy some of the stuff out of it, um, but it, it's trying. It is it is a delicate balance, and and you know, trying to step back and make sure that you know everything's good on that front is, is tough too. Right. You know, Kim and I. It's just me, and, and <laughs> we have three dogs. But, and so I'm, you know, like I called her before we started the podcast. I'm like, no, it's going to be a late night for me, babe. And, and, you know, I may be home one, one thirty. I don't know. Okay. And she's like, thank you. You know, basically she texts me like, thank you for following your dreams. Thank you for yeah, doing this. Yeah. And it was just like, man, that, that right there is yeah, so cool. It means a lot. So I, I feel like if you, if you're in a situation where if you have a spouse, having one that is definitely supportive would probably make it easier. But having um, that, you know, for the guys that like you, for example, um, the ones that are that find themselves having really good success, I always see folks like with your mindset, like I'm not going to use my kids as an excuse. I'm going to use them as the reason I'm going to do this for them. And like I see it all the time with loggers, you're from a logging family. You know, a lot of them are, um, you know, they last name timber services or last name cutting and they're they're working all these hours and and and, and they're doing it for their kids to hand them something yep. down. So yep. I mean, I have a lot of respect for guys that can that can do the work and and just really build their dreams all in one thing. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um right. you don't see that all the time. Yeah. And I think this is a really good area to go over because for guys that are wanting to get into the business whether they're single, whether they're getting married, whether they have family with kids, I think they really need to realize the amount of work that it takes. Cause I'm up, I, you know, I work a full-time job. I'm salary, which I think's, you know, I joke around it's Latin for work more, get paid the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
so I, I do that job and I, and I try and be good. You know, I, they deserve, they, they pay my, my mortgage, my bills, yep. allow me to go on a few hunts a year. I, they deserve my best. And then, so, but I've always heard if you're going to build, you know, your, your bills are paid from nine to five. And then you pay your dreams from, from five to midnight. Yep. And then there's a lot of nights, guys, where I'm up until, you know, one, one thirty in the morning. And then until Kim calls me, says, Hey, you come into bed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You know, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> um, with Sonny starting, uh, you know, she started working for us full time on February. She, I, I gave her, I'm like, I had to hire somebody anyway. So why not hire my wife and, right. and tell her to, you know, no long, no more 50 minute drives to work and 50 minute drives home. Mm. Um, but you know she's she's been a lifesaver, but even her like now, at, at the rate we're growing and new dealers coming on, um, it's not uncommon for her to sit and package calls until eleven or midnight as well. Really? So it's kind of become this this uh, you know a lot of our time gets donated um, you know to this um, you know but it is we're kind of both chasing our dreams together now and it it was nice because I think for that first five or six years um, she was involved, but it was more from a you know taking care of the kids and, and mm-hmm. maybe us not sharing the, the kids duty as much mm-hmm. um, to now we're kind of both fully emerged in the company. Um, and, and hopefully it means a little bit more, you know, to yeah. her. and she feels a little more involved um, this way. And then you're basing it on time. As this thing grows, people start to expect more out of you. And so not <laughs> only do we have our 120 hours a week, but now I have to try to figure out, well, how do I hunt all of September on a, on a, you know, Get still a salary job yeah. um, because it is. And, um, you know, I can remember sitting five or six years ago looking at Facebook, like, how do these guys hunt all year? What's their job? Are they, are do they all happen to be firefighters? Cause that's yeah. like, that was like the hunter's dream job, you know? And I'm like, there's no way everybody's a firefighter. Um, you know, but it's, you start to realize these people are sacrificing or they're, you know, sitting down talking to their bosses like, Hey, I need to have this time right. off. What do I need to do to make it happen? Um, but there is a, a lot of time, whether it's seminar, my seminar schedule from, shoot two months ago on like i barely have a weekend or now we're starting to feel like thursday's up um you know or 3d shoots at at all the shoots and you know my my calendar is extremely booked but it's it's stuff like that giving people your time being you know giving them their time being friendly paying attention to them is is all part of what makes this thing click so um, Mm. i got to do that side as well so we've gone over what it takes to, to get to where you're at now, right? From pretty much from start to, I'm not going to say finish because I'm sure you've got some yeah. big things coming. Yeah, hopefully. What are some things, um, did you did you ever, because I've wrote some things down that if it's going to cost me this, I'm not going to do it. Did you ever do anything like that? Or what's, what's some things that, what are you not willing to give up? You know, what, what, what were some deal breakers for you? Because for me, it was, it was my wife's my priority. You know, if I can't do all this and then pay for my wife to get home and eventually you know, do whatever she, I want to give her options that I told Trent right from the get go. Cause he was helping me figure out if this is something I should do. He's like, why do you want to do this? I'm like, well, I can tell you what I'm not going to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did, do you have any of those or did you, did you kind of have some of those, those things that just kept you between the hedges? I, I'd always told her by time. Matter of fact, I turned 35 today. Today's my <laughs> 35th birthday. Yeah, I, was gonna say I happy birthday. told her when I clicked over at about 30, um, because it was, we were investing so much time and, and, we weren't getting the return that mm-hmm. we maybe wanted, but I, we were still grinding like we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. And I told her when we're 35, if things aren't in the positive and starting to swing that way pretty quickly, like we'll just be done. Really? So I was willing, but that was a kind of a 10 year plan, you know? And, and so I gave it what I thought would be uh, plenty of time. 
you know, I, I'm, I'm never willing to give up full ownership. You know, we've been talked to multiple times about being bought out. I don't know if that's exactly where you're going. Like, but I had a, like, a do not, I want to maintain control of this at least until I'm done enjoying the ride. Yeah. You know, so we've, we've never did anything like that. You know, other than that, like we, we've, we don't need the money from the company, so a lot of times we'll reinvest everything. Like in the, you know, maybe we shouldn't have developed a, a new Beagle tube at the time we did, but it's like we have money in is the that company. What that's sitting there? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So I'm glad this is audio because nobody, <laughs> nobody can see the new Beagle tube. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm not even gonna talk about that's, it. <laughs> no, yeah, you're fine. We can talk about it. They just don't know what it looks like. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, but there was times when we were like, well, maybe that's not the good thing to do we just released the new tube two years ago maybe we should wait another year mm-hmm. but i'm like heck with it we got we got the, the business has the money let's move let's keep the you know the foot down on the gas pedal hmm. um, but i didn't really have any like set will nots you know on, on stuff we wouldn't do hmm. um, as long as as long as i said like i said we've always cash flowed this thing 100 percent out of our pockets mm-hmm. so i always keep an eye on that and make sure that we don't have enough big expenditures coming up that i'd ever have to borrow money from you know so do you pay yourself from the company, though, right? I have never collected a dime um, out of Phelps Game Calls. Really? Um, so, so that's why I, I've said I don't need any money now. I won't say that I haven't bought myself hunting gear and stuff that, that I can right off. use right off. Yeah. And, and it does help develop the calls. Or, But I, you know, until Sandy started working in February, we had never you know, actually pulled any money out of the company. Where now she pulls a salary. But yeah, I've I've reinvested everything, and we're rolling now to the point where I, um, you know, I'll have to start. You know, for tax reasons, I'll have to to pull some out. But um, mm. that, that's what it's been so nice is that if you had to make a a living off of this off the bat, it would have been a very very different story. I think really. So maybe having a, a a situation where you can roll this business on the side, and then eventually just kind of nurture it and build it and grow it while you still have your primary income over here yep. would be a great idea. Yeah, and that's why I say, you know, to, to get started, at least for me, I don't see any other way, like, not to do, a, you know, eight hours at work, eight hours grind, <laughs> you know, grinding, yeah. because it does give you that freedom. Like, you don't necessarily, if you can live on your eight hours and you don't need to create this business because mm-hmm. you need more money, mm-hmm. it's a lot better scenario than, than creating it because you need the money. If you don't mm-hmm. need it, you can keep rolling that and let just let it build itself, nurture it, grow organically. Um, but if you need to start pulling money out of that, I think it kind of hamstrings your business a little bit. That's really interesting. And and, and that makes a lot of sense to me too. Um, so if I know you wanted this to kind of be a little bit more in depth about the business stuff, but I'm, I'm a gear guy okay. and you just pointed out a new bugle on the table. Yep. Can we get into the, into the gear stuff? A little bit. When's the, when's the <laughs> podcast launch? No, uh, <laughs> it's we, one of the biggest requests, uh, and the, I'll throw Snyder under the bus and in, in his Colorado, uh, can we say badasses? His Colorado sure. badasses. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, you know, all these Colorado guys, fourteen thousand, you know, fourteeners yeah, yeah. all over. We got the biggest, steepest mountains. Well, then they're too weak to carry a thirteen ounce beagle tube. <laughs> they're the, they're my biggest complainers of. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's fine. But you you get all of these. Hey, we want a smaller tube. That thing's giant. No, it's it's huge, which it is. It's it's a big it's tube. It's a big call, but I but, just carry it under my arm. And and when we developed it, my my number one goal when I sit down to develop a product, I come up with a, a goal list. My number one goal was to create the best sounding tube regardless. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like 13 ounces isn't that far out of the norm. Um, so you end up with a 13 ounce tube that's a little bit bigger than what else is out there. Um, but I, in my opinion, sound quality and some of the stuff that that tube provides is, is second to none. I agree with that. Um, I, I mean, I, I was using two years ago, 
prior to that tube being out, I was using the bugling bowl smaller than that one. Yeah, the bully bowl. Yeah. And uh, when that one came out, I bought it. And then I was, I had three bugles I was testing out. And then uh, my wife wanted to kill me. I was just, <laughs> you know, bugling and then bugle, bugle, just bugling, bugling, bugling. And then um, I, it was insane. I would almost hurt my own ears with that thing. And then I'm like, especially for Rosie's, that right there in itself, being able to project yourself to get through that dense vegetation, holy crap, that, that, that for me would be a game changer. And yeah. then being able to reach farther out into the canyons over in eastern Oregon or being able to just project myself right there, I I don't even have that. I don't even know where it went. But yeah. the, the Unleashed tube, yep. uh, that one is the one that goes in my pack now. Yep. So then uh, we developed this little uh, six-ounce guy. It's only 17, six ounces. 17 inches long. So you go from 13 to 6. Huh. Um, you know, the barrel will fit inside of a, a Nalgene or a normal water bottle pocket. Oh, that's smart. Um, and then <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to offer a lanyard, but what we're going to tell people to do is they can take just a little stick of, of like string with a clip on it mm-hmm. or a bungee or whatever. And then when it's right in your pack on a long hike in, it won't ba- bounce around and then probably just go back to handheld mode. Mm. But the nice thing about this tube is everything we've been getting out of it and all the testing we've been doing, it's probably 90% of that big tube. Um, you're going to lose a little bit of depth on your finish. You know, when you try to thump off a call or, okay. or add some bass. Okay. That's um, the same bass. Okay. Maybe you know 90% of the volume, but other than that, this little teeny tube does a very, very good job at, at mm. keeping up with the big guy for, for most everything else. Really? And for a runner, gunner, you know, a running and gunning type setup or a style of hunting. Um, it's more of a pack bugle. It's going to be tough to, to compete with this little guy. Huh. But, and that's my thing. I, I don't know whether it's just me, you know. I just want to be the loudest guy. <laughs> I want to project. That thing will will project. Yeah, pretty pretty dang good. Like it, it won't be quite as good as the Unleashed, but mm-hmm. it will be right there close. Mm. And so since no one can see it, it's strikingly similar to like a fish bat that we have in the boat. It's about the same size. If you know what a fish bat is, it's one that you knock a fish out with. And it has, would you call them like these little ridges? or Cor- um, Corrugations that, that corrugations. create a bunch of... I'm not a guy to get gimmicky, so I'm not going to call them anything special. But it basically creates, you know, six separate chambers in the, or, or five separate changer, chambers in that the big bell of the, the tube. Um, so what that does is it disrupts that airflow and basically oh, that is light, and know, it has that lip on the end, yeah, like your yeah. We want to, yeah. And so uh, when we prototyped them, we ended up with three different outlet or exhaust hole diameters, and then we ended up with the smallest one because it created the right amount of back pressure, so that the, the you know you weren't just blowing right through it. Really. Um, so yeah, that that overcupped end is an important part. So the back pressure does that al- allow you to to not use as much breath? Is that yeah, not as much saying? air um, helps you to get to that high note and hold it really? versus letting it wave. Yeah, yeah. So not as much air and then hold high notes better. Uh-huh. Um, extend the life of some diaphragms. Okay. A little bit too, so it all kind of adds <laughs> in. I was going to ask you about that, and we could get into to calls. I don't know how long you're wanting to make this thing last, but um, I I go I went through about a call every three days. And um, I listened to a podcast where I think you were talking about, well, if you're blowing past the read, I'm like, I never thought I could blow too hard, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so um, I I ended up falling in love with the blue uh, bro read. And then I blow through two of those in five days. I was just blowing, like, I don't know how long a read lasts you, but I, I mean, and then I switched to the green one, the bright green one, which isn't, I don't think, a bro one. No, no, that was Um, ours. And, uh, man, that one was probably, I called, we called in a bunch of bulls with the blue one. We, we killed one with the blue one. 
And then um, when it was my turn, I switched to the green one. Man, that thing was really loud. Yeah, and so that's so like the green call uses a four thousandths piece of latex, where the the blue bro uses a, actually a piece of prophylactic that's like under twenty five thousandths. And so you're dealing with a piece of latex that's almost twice as thick on the green. Okay. Um, so just by like by nature, it, it shouldn't blow out as quick. Okay. Um, the other thing is. You know, practicing with them, in my opinion, I could sit and practice with the same call for three months, even with my huge set of lungs mm-hmm. and the way I call. But I get out in the woods, and two or three days is about normal. Okay. Um, you know, I, I always tell everybody you can't have as much fun for 250 a day <laughs> anywhere else. So, um, <laughs> That's true. But it is, you know, people are like, I got to buy three or four calls for a hunt. I'm like, yep. ideally, I would. I wouldn't. I mean, it's I'm a very, very, it's a very, very minimal portion of the cost of your hunt you know in the grand scheme of it right um so get you know three or four calls but i i'm in a different position where i just throw a baggie of calls in my back <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm good but if i was if i was somebody that had to buy my calls to go on a hunt i would try to have a call for probably every two days really um just just because you know we have so much other stuff invested in that hunt that all right 40 bucks and i can get through a 10-day hunt right so when i'm when i'm switching out calls that's when i'm trying way too hard to hit those same notes i was hitting when it was new yep you start getting those little ridges in the latex is there any other signs that you need to switch out reads no just basically when the when you feel that you're not holding the the note where where it once was then then switch it but typically when that happens they make it even easier to use cow call um, so if, if your game is using cow calls, you can still you know, hold on to that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is if you let that call dry out really tight, you might get, you might realize I can get four or five good beagles out of it before it starts <laughs> to <laughs> yes. port waters up. I mean, there's, yeah. there's little tips and tricks, but yeah, as soon as you feel it start to go, probably switch it over. Um, tape will sometimes the, you know, the guys that fiddle with a call all the time in their mouth or, or try to split the tape in the back. <laughs> That's me. Um, you know, you can usually get around that. It won't affect it too much, but you know, the tape will eventually go hmm. um, after a while. Um, well, I, I think we could go to a whole nother podcast in that. And so I think we're going to have to um, basically just commit. I'll have to get you back on the show to go over <laughs> everything else. Cause I could do it two hours on how and what, where and why with the calls. Yeah. But I was, my goal was to really get to know you better on, on the outside of the Phelps and stuff. I felt like we did that. I wanted to go yeah. over the business aspect of it because that's a big part of this podcast is yep. helping people make that transition. Is there anything that you feel that you can add before or any final thoughts for, for somebody that's wanting to um, maybe go this route and, and try and do what you've done? So don't do what I do. Find something else in the in the hunting industry <laughs> besides build calls. But, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, anything but calls. It would be a yeah, great idea. Go. Chase yeah. your passion in the hunting don't industry. Don't do podcasts while you're at it or YouTube yeah. videos. <laughs> um, you know, I, I may just be reiterating what we talked about earlier. Do it because you love it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't do it for any other reason um, Would is my best advice. And... and in my opinion, you know, you, you always hear the, the the sayings, you know, you've never worked a day in your life when you love what you're doing type yeah. of a thing, which which is easy in the hunting industry for me because I absolutely love hunting. And so it just, it's easy. But then I also step back and look and like, well, everybody else loves to hunt too. Like <laughs> if we all chased our passion, it's easy. Does it get saturated? And then I'm trying to, well, what separates us? What mm-hmm. do some people just want to hunt and don't care about ever owning a business? Do, um, you know, so there's in the day and age we're in now there's so much out there um be unique 
you know, find something that, that truly is different, um, you know, or something you can be passionate about. If it's a, if it's a product, it better be unique and it better work well. You better have a lot mm-hmm. of testing in it. Um, that's like us. Everybody thinks we're just a, a marketing machine, but I'm like, no, we make a damn good elk call yeah. <laughs> and, and we do a good job of marketing it. Like yeah. I would never want it the other way. I would never want to be the guy marketing crap. Um, you know, and so build a very good product. Um, you, you better tr- either figure out how to market this thing using social media, find mm-hmm. the right influencers or take some classes on how to market in today's day and age. YouTube um, would have all that for anybody for free. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just I mean, be good at, like I said, I, I'm really good at Google and yeah. <laughs> so a lot of stuff if I don't know, I'm pretty crafty at finding it. You know, so do your research, figure out the best way to market this, mm-hmm. um, you know, market your product. And, uh, yeah, be willing to either spend money, uh, you know, or go backwards or be able to float the company alongside, um, because there's, there's no way about it in order to build this foundation and get this thing rolling. Um, it's going to require some upfront costs somewhere. Hmm. I think that's some really good advice and I'm going to have to listen to this podcast a couple times just to soak it all <laughs> in. So, uh, but thank you, man. I've been wanting to meet you since, um, pro- since probably two years ago, since the elk nuggets with the yeah. video, I was telling you about that <laughs> earlier, but so I'm definitely going to be hitting you up here, um, for an encore episode. We'll d- dive into the elk calls and, yeah. and the elk calling, but uh, this was both on our hearts and we were both really interested in talking about yeah. this. So that's what this episode's about. Yep. So yeah, it's something that's nice to get a, a little bit of a, a different, yeah. a different question set that doesn't have to do. Well, when I hear this bull beagle, then what, <laughs> <laughs> which, which seems to kind of be my, my standard podcast, but, uh, um, <laughs> I can sit and talk about elk a hundred times in a row and, and be yeah. fine with it. So it doesn't, it doesn't No, well, I think, I think it was good talking about. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this <laughs> stuff, um, you know, I get these questions, but it's typically in bits and pieces. So it, it was nice to sit down and, and kind of, you know, yeah. go through some of the stuff that, like I say, I'm, I didn't do anything special. It was just, I think I did some things right. Um, and I think it, to follow that blueprint and the more people I've got to talk to and uh, understand how they did it, we, we share a lot of similarities on, you know, the passion. Yeah. Um, you, know, yeah. you talk to, Cody and Trent they they yeah. were so passionate they just jumped and left their job to do it full time mm-hmm. you know and and you start to talk to these people and a lot of it is just that un you know underlying uh you know desire and, and love for for what we do right right and that they're good they're good. I mean and they they're probably a really good example of that I mean yeah. I yeah, I could talk about them all day. They're they're a little less conservative than me. Um, <laughs> I wanted to keep my job and, and and take a shot at it. And they're those guys are what they did to me. Like that give me an anxiety attack and uh, <laughs> make me go crazy. So, all right, man. We'll we'll uh, let's wrap this thing up. All right. Then. Yeah. Thanks so, for having me. Hey. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show, guys. And um, as always, I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Well, guys, that's this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the show. Thank you, Jason Phelps, for sitting down and giving me your time. Gave a lot of great information on on how to build your business the right way, how to approach companies, how to work with companies. That I definitely stuff that I can use moving forward, and I hope you can, you guys can as well. It's time to give away uh, a gift. So, for somebody that left a five star review, uh, it was Jay Alexander, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, his name's Jonathan. And uh, he left a really good uh, comment with a five-star review on iTunes. And you just won Dark Timber Coffee Company, a 12-ounce bag of their G4 blend. 
And Tony is a guy that loves to hunt and fish uh, in the industry. He supports the industry. Um, and, and you can't support just a better guy. If you're looking to, to support a coffee company where the profits are going to go back into the industry and then also to a guy that loves to do the same things you do, the Dark Timber Company Coffee would be a great guy. And Tony is, is awesome. You can talk to him if you have any questions. But uh, J. Alexander, 1989. Jonathan, uh, send me uh, an email at, at GarrettWeaverHunt at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me there or on Instagram. I also have the Go Wild app now, which I'm really enjoying, and uh, you can get a hold of me on there as well. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.